professionals here. All right, there we go. We're, hey, welcome so much. You're not even switching the graphic. There we go. I, now I'm here. Oh my gosh. Thank goodness. Welcome to a special Tuesday edition <laughs> of the Outlaw Radio Show. It's a Tuesday edition because my kids deserve a vacation. It's fall break. We're heading out of town. It was like, I don't want to cancel Outlaw Radio. So we're going to push this to Tuesday. So I don't know if you're watching or not, but we're doing this and we send it out on the interwebs and hopefully on the socials, you, you, you are with us. Tuesday edition of the Outlaw Radio Show, 8 o'clock, Tuesday night. Again, my name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. You can learn all about the church by going to our website, calvary316.com, .net, .org, .tv, .church. We have a lot of domains. You can also go to churchatthedump.com. That'll take you to our site, outlawchurch.com.org. There's a lot of domains that will redirect you to Calvary, Calvary 316. Calvary 316 is probably the easiest one to Google, though. Yes, it's very yeah, very easy to Google. So anyway, our Sunday service is at, eight, is at 1030. If you're local, come visit us one Sunday morning uh, in person. If you're not but looking for a Bible teaching church uh, that you can watch and attend online, uh, we live stream our service. Again, you can learn all about the church from the website. I'm joined, as always, by the man that needs no introduction, Dick Dastardly, a.k.a. Pope Creighton Vaughn. How you doing, buddy? Hello. I'm doing good. Hey, you um, got to pull that lid down a little I bit, would... just, just to sport. Oh, that's right. Yeah, his you gotta sport. You got to sport his productions. We love his productions. That's where right. Where they merch all the time. And then you've got um, your, like, your navy green, a one-of-a-kind. Yeah. This is a really nice shirt, and there's lint on it. Uh, I would like to make a correction to a social media post we posted uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, a correction. Yes. It was when I was at the beach. You said that we didn't have an episode that week because I decided to take a vacation. Well, no, that's very true. That see, is not true. No, you see what I the did. The reason we didn't have an episode is because you didn't have an idea for a Tuesday episode until you were going on Guess vacation. what? If we had had an idea for a Tuesday episode, we still could have done it because you were gone. Yeah, we could have pre-recorded. We could have done week. anything. Don't do that. You just see what happened. I turned it back. You were gone the whole week. Yeah, that's really disappointing. I didn't expect you to do that. You did not think that through at all. <laughs> Darn it. Yes. So you you decide. So annoying. You decide. You're you so even skip annoying. a Sunday when you do this. You're like, I'm not even. I'm not just missing Outlaw Radio. I'm not letting you do a Tuesday or a Thursday or any other day. <laughs> and I'm not even there on Sunday. Have fun with that. So we got to bring in Justin. Yeah, you and know who didn't skip a Sunday even on his birthday. It wasn't oh, Vinny. That's Vinny, right. Vinny skipped a Sunday. That's skipped right. Sunday. It was it was Justin's birthday yeah, I didn't on let Sunday. Anybody know because I oh, do by my the way, job. by the way, switch it back. Uh, we are also joined in studio by <laughs> two of our buddies. Uh, we've got Spice Daddy. You can switch it over, Spice yeah. Daddy. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio going? Show. Yeah, there's just no there's no decorum to this show. Yeah, anymore. we need to get it like, on the Tuesday rails. We started off the rails. It's a Tuesday. It's it's Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. We're just doing our thing. So again, I mean, what else are you got to say? I mean, pour on Creighton. It was your birthday. You wow. came. You came. You handled it. Yeah, and I didn't even let anybody know because I didn't want it to distract from from the job I was doing. I, I should say back here. Back wow. here. Wow. Oh my back, goodness. Back to this camera. Back to this camera. Just so you know, we we've actually had conversations where it's like, okay, Creighton deserves a vacation. He should go out. Should have some fun. But you know that shouldn't limit the Outlaw Radio Show. Justin has volunteered like hey i can handle the stream i can take the first chair i can be promoted to and creighton's like no that's also not true no we discussed this happening. last time and i not said yeah happening. that's cool you guys would just have to take down the whole rig and put it back up at the church 
and oh, then take it back true. down. No, and you were true. like, no, we don't we don't want to do that. I like what he was saying better. Uh-huh. No, I mean, My that, I know, get no respect. Creighton right, did, I'm Creighton, no longer Dick Dastardly. I'm now Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney I get no respect. <laughs> no respect. No respect. No, you're 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 Pope Creighton Vaughn. That is our email address, PopeCreighton at gmail.com. Also officially the Calvary 316 Church email address in the CCA database, which I think is the funniest thing ever. It's awesome. You go through the Calvary Chapel Association database of, of email contacts, and you get to Calvary 316, and it's Pope Creighton at gmail. Have you gotten any official emails to that email yet? Oh, we've gotten all kinds of official emails to that email address. Like from other Calvary pastors, like being like, hey, what's up with this kind of thing? Oh, no, no. They're not oh. checking that out. And They're and more they're, of a tech the, Zach or Sandy kind no, of No, and the moment they see that I'm the one behind it, it's um, oh, they're like oh that makes sense yeah that oh, makes total yeah. sense he's trolling his dad some way speaking of trolling my dad <laughs> so gonna do this <laughs> this is a wonderful book see this chapter by chapter this is i'm not kidding it's great any bible study i've ever taught you start here it is again literally chapter by chapter it is a full summary of every chapter every page there's a summary romans 5 Whole page. Romans 6, one page. Full summary of every chapter in the New Testament. These books, you cannot buy them anywhere. I know that because I've tried. So I've had to commandeer myself a box of the chapter-by-chapter chapter books because I think they're awesome. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I didn't really think this through. I just no, kind of dove sure in didn't. deep. I don't right? know how you're going to do it. No, I just really went hot without thinking it all the way through. Here, I'll, I can buy you some time if you want some time uh, to think. No, 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 no. I should just keep keep going. If you would like a copy of this book, there's two ways to do it. Uh, you can buy a copy on a Sunday morning at Calvary 316. I don't know how much we're going to charge. Again, I stole a box of these books. <laughs> um, I did not. So we have to, like, reimburse... Yeah, there's a thing I didn't think through. Pure profit. Pure profit. <laughs> also, you should probably say who the author of that book oh, is. Oh, the author of the book is Sandy Adams, my father. Which is why it's not horrible Wait. that you stole a box of books that you're now trying to peddle on the internet. Well, I asked my dad. I was like, hey, I need a copy. I had somebody who was like, hey, I'd like a copy of it's this part book. part of Zach's inheritance. It's not at all. Like, there's, Yeah, right, for sure. Um, no, this is... I'm serious. This is a fantastic... I had... I helped produce this book. Um, DJ Dust, Nate Corona, did the actual uh, uh, artwork for it. I didn't know that. Did the logo. We worked on it together. Um, we created. I just got a text reserving a copy of the book. You already have one, buddy. Dill Daddy Derek, you already got one. Yes. For sure. I got a box of them. So um, I told my dad, I was like, hey, you're not selling these books. And he was like, I got tons of them. I'm just bad at this. I, you know, just so... So I, I was like, well, I'm going to get a, a, a box of them. He's like, you're going to pay for them. I was like, well, I'm going to pay for them? So now I feel like really weird. First three people to email popecrayton at gmail.com. Email address, mailing address. I will send you a copy pro bono. Everybody else, you have to buy one. We'll work out prices later. We'll work out the price. And then, and, and again, and then we're going to sell these books for Sandy Adams. <laughs> So all the proceeds, we will take no money whatsoever. We will even pay the shipping of the book. So we will incur the shipping costs every dollar spent on this book. We might even sell it, pay what you want type of a thing. I mean, it's a, it is a great book. 
it's wonderful. I'm serious. Like you just, every single chapter, Matthew, John, first Thessalonians, second Thessalonians, Hebrews, every chapter of the new Testament gets summarized. Um, and these are actually the transcripts of the radio program that he did the two minute program. So these are the oh, transcripts. I didn't know that. No, it's, it's wonderful. Anyway, chapter by chapter, by the way, chapter by chapter.org. Also read Rex Calvary 316. <laughs> now I'm pretty sure that's not the best book that's come out of the Adams family though. That, well, you know, you know that you, that's a valid point. What do you mean? I mean, um, specifically speaking, I seem to remember a really well-written holiday book. Written a Christmas by, book. It's a Christmas book. It's on Amazon. I it think it's on Amazon. Yeah. And the name of it might be something like Amazon something prime. Amazon, no, I think you can get it. A prime Christmas. No, no, no. An Amazon that's not Christmas. It. An Amazon Christmas. Oh, I did get it. Who wrote that? Oh, it's a lovely. It seemed like a lady because it's Jessica. Jessica Adams. Adams. Yeah. And her dear sister Emily Norris. That's right. The most successful Adams book is an Amazon Christmas. This is this will be number two. And again, I'm I'm getting better with my fingers. By the way, nice. Look it's it not up. like two and a half. It's <laughs> like I'm getting to two. Hey, we're also joined. He's been quiet. We're joined, <laughs> joined in studio by uh, Dear Daddy. I've been giggling. You've been giggling over there, but you know you've kept it professional the I whole did. time. I professional. Did. How you doing, man? Doing great. You just turned forty. I did. You feel old? I feel like I'm sixteen. <laughs> uh, I do, I'm not going to probe that. At all. I'm not. That was the wrong word to use for what I was trying to get to. Yeah, it sure Probe was. Probe was not the right word. I'm it was just perfect. Yeah, I just don't feel like that that's the, the road we want to go down. Weird choice. It's a weird. It, yeah, it was a weird choice. Uh, hey, when does deer season start? Uh, it started uh, three weeks ago. Now, isn't there like, um, and again, we're a very informational, um, informative program, hitting a lot of different uh, bullseyes here. Uh, explain like, isn't there like a bow season before a long gun season? Yeah, and then like, so like season. a, 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 like a revolutionary war gun season. Yes. We got bow season. Then we get regular rifle season starts in a week or two. And then it goes, uh, there's an any weapon season and then you've got black powder muzzle loader. So I've been studying Samson. Is there a jawbone of a donkey season? Uh, that would be during the primitive weapons. Yeah. The primitive, primitive weapon, weapon season. Weapon. So they, yeah. Is that the same thing as bow season? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You can use an atlatl. Or a I would love to kill a deer with an atlatl. <laughs> There's a dude on YouTube that does that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. All right, we're going to get into the subject matter of today's show. Is it not atlatls um, because they're the coolest hunting. thing in the world? Oh, my goodness gracious. I could talk all day about it. I know I you could. You, you guys day. could totally talk all day about it. Spice Daddy, Deer Daddy, Pope Creighton. Hey, by the way, I should note, we're also joined. This is, a, this is the first time. This is a first time. We're joined in studio by two audience members, like on either side of me in different places. How many fingers is that? <laughs> two. <laughs> Son of a gun. Just, you pick it on. You're pick, you know, I had an older guy in the church have a cyst removed from his hand. Felt like he needed to take me a picture. Send me a picture and be like, hey, I'm injured too. <laughs> and it's like, this is, this, these are the people that I've been called to pastor. Um, it is what it is. You get what you give, bud. <laughs> Still doesn't beat. Did you ever figure out who sent you that one book? Oh, no. my gosh. A, a farewell fair, to arms. Farewell oh, arms. So, so 
Jonathan, real quick, you, you've never heard this story before. So I'm in, no, no kidding. I have just, no, no, listen, listen to this. Listen to this. So this guy, uh, I've never heard this story. So I am, I'm like the second week back. I can't use my arms. Um, Creighton, the, they're putting, the, the, um, they're putting the, the Bible on the podium for me. My wife is micing me up uh, before I go out. Like, I can't use my arms at all. And so, so it's like worship's going on. We go back. My wife's going to help me wire up. And one of the ushers who always gets the mail has put the mail on the desk. And I notice there's this package. Again, this is like the third week of May. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm still ke- full-blown chemo, Zach. You don't have hair yet. I don't have hair yet. No, it's, it was bad. Tilapias flopping around. I don't even know if they were flopping. It was more of an arm thing. Yeah, it was before you could move your wrist. It was before I could move my wrist. Anyway, so so my wife is wiring me up, and I was, I was what's this package? So she opens it. She tears it open. She pulls out this. It, so it was from Amazon. It was somebody had ordered it on Amazon Books. It was used. But she pulls it out, and it's the Ernest Hemingway book, A Farewell to Arms. Now, now I'm looking, I'm looking at this book. I'm not kidding. I'm looking at the, and I just, it went right over my head. I had no idea. And I'm looking at it. I was like, that's so strange. Is there a note in it? So Jessica opens. There's no note in it at all. Nobody, there's not a note in the packaging. Someone just mailed me this book and I'm, my wife, bless her heart, can, can, she's realized that I have not put this joke together. And she goes, you, you, you. You do get the joke, right? And I go, what? She goes, the title, A Farewell to Arms. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Dude, now I want to know. Oh, my that. goodness. It's so I went joke. out. I went out, like, put that, put that book. Like, and I, I was like, who did this? And, like, I explained to the audience. I just literally opened this package. One of you knuckleheads, this is the greatest joke ever. Yes, yes. I'm, flo- I'm literally flopping around. You did a pretty good, that was a pretty good Zach impersonation, not going to lie. But somebody sent me, and, and to this day, I thought, I called a friend. I was like, was it you? We all thought it was Chad. We all thought it was Chad Mosley. Because he's an English teacher. So and I didn't bring it, no, no, I thought it could also be Brian Wilson. And Brian I Wilson Brian, been a good bet. And Brian was like, no, that that that's hilarious. I wish I had thought of that. That wasn't me. And then we all collectively in the church thought it was Chad. Now, Chad was not at church that morning. Mm-hmm. So Chad comes in the next morning. And so he goes to do the welcome like he always does. He's one of our elders. And so I hobble my way up, get helped onto the stage. And I'm like, hey, buddy. <laughs> Thinking, obviously, it's Chad. And I'm like, nice book you sent me. He goes, what are you talking about? I was like, the Ernest Hemingway book, A Farewell to Arms, the book you sent me. He goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. I was like, yes, yeah, right. Everybody's laughing because everyone thinks it's Chad. He, he stopped. He goes, no, I'm serious, buddy. Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I think it's Derek. I was like, are you serious? And then, and then when I, I, again, in front of everyone, I was like, no, I got this book last week. You just weren't here. You didn't hear this. We all thought it was you. He goes, bah! that's the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. No, I wish I had thought of it. So that's still a mystery. I'm glad you brought that up. I think Derek's the only personality in the church that would come up with a joke like that and then not reveal it, though. Like, he's that person. You think Deal Daddy Derek, Deal I, Daddy Derek might be still sitting on this joke? I think if he so. is. 
If he is, that's... Hats off to him. Dude, he's I mean, that level. He's on, he's on that level. I really feel like... Man, we're like 15 minutes into this, and we've not talked about anything at and all. The audience is but loving it. It's a Tuesday <laughs> episode. It is what it is. We need to know at some point. Not in a bad way. We just want to celebrate you. It's a. It was a wonderful gesture. We're, and we're all kind of jealous that we didn't think of it. 100%. Aren't we? I mean, yeah. everybody but 100%. me because I was the one living through it. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's such a funny joke. No, it's a great joke. I think about it every time. Every time I was in physical therapy. Oh, I bet. Yeah. When my arms didn't work. And they were oh, alarms. putting you through torture. <laughs> oh, man. So, Craig, what do you got? So, real quick. I'm going to do something I don't typically do. I had a text message from an audience member today asking me a question to bring up. And, and the question was good. And I was like, I'm going to bring that up on tonight's episode of Outlaw Radio. I think that would be great. That being said, for the last couple of weeks, I've preempted your topics. You sure have. So we're going to get to. So the person that asked me this question, we will get to it. But before we do. Let's start with Creighton. This is an unscripted Bible study. I have no idea what you're about to drop. And, and you know, even if it goes long, I'm still going to get to this question because it's a good question. Um, I'll work it all together. I'll figure it out. Uh, my, that's my job. And these guys are here to help me in case you're new to the show. Um, cool. So, yeah. So, first off, everyone say hi to Miss Ann. She said hi, youngins. So, hi, Miss Ann. Miss Ann is... Uh, Miss Ann is my trachea. So we're not Trekkies. We're Trekkies. Because we both almost died from COVID and we both have Trek scars. So in, in Trekkies, you know, they got that, that symbol. No, we, we have a permanent one. How do you, how do you, no, we just go like this. You just know, you don't even have to show it. Like you just like, if you're not, you know, I mean, if you V necks or help, you know, you know, turtlenecks, collars. I mean, you kind of have to be circumcised in the neck. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're wearing a turtleneck in Georgia, then, then I'm obviously going to look at you weird, but like uh, V neck would be more appropriate for this. Oh, area. wait, you're wearing a turtleneck in Georgia. You must be Andy Stanley. Well, I mean, it's kind of like showing up to a Calvary chapel in a full suit. I mean, people are going to, right, right. No, no, this, no. This, you so. know, you know, like, oh, you showed up at Calvary chapel you in ain't a from suit. around here. Are you, you thought we were having a funeral today? Right. I kind of would love to do that. While traveling at some point, I say that just walking Easter, to a random East, no, Easter, Calvary, Easter Calvary three sixteen. Oh yeah, we got that, some. Suits. That's kind of like we go big hats and and it it gets, it gets weird. Oh yeah, the girls. It looks like they're it at the uh, the Kentucky Kentucky Derby. Derby. They're ridiculous. getting hammered by mint juleps in in the middle of the, yes. the, the Bible. It's wild. Yeah. All right, so back to topic, topic for today. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I've had been seeing this topic for two or three weeks now because you have preempted me. So the question is, A, what makes a teacher a heretic as opposed to just being a bad teacher? There's actually 1.1. What's a heretic? Two. The difference between a heretic and a bad teacher. Right. Okay. Um, And then what would you do if you found out, like if you were at a, um, you, um, Sorry, I got distracted by the well, guy no, I'm trying I, to talk to. You should be professional. To. I'm trying to get some things moving I'm here. I'm sorry. You distracted Keep it going, me. Anyway, man. so it's what is a heretic. We've been and doing this for years. if you find out that your church is being led by a heretic, oh. what do you do? What do you do when your church what is pastored by a heretic? 
Because Man, I wish we had to either stay I wish or leave. Josh Brown was still. on the show. I know it would be really great. I know Josh Brown could have some things to say. So, so just I know I kind of interrupted you trying to get better at that, Leslie. Thank you, Leslie. Repeat. Okay. Very concisely. Uh, one, what is a heretic? Um, what's the difference between a heretic and someone who is just a bad teacher? And what do you do if your church is being led by a heretic? Not just a bad teacher, but an actual heretic. All right. Go. So let's, let's, try to, let's try to unpack this. Let's go real broad and try to work in. It's a good way to go. So let's start Old Testament. We'll flip the New Testament. Because there's some, there's some interesting, um, I think, details, concepts, principles that, that, that apply to the larger conversation. So in the, in the Old Testament, you know, we have several different offices that are kind of ordained by God within the life of his people. And this kind of, again, segues after the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. This gets more into like the Levitical dynamic, the, the, the organization of the children of Israel after they've left Egypt. Uh, they come to Sinai. They're about to enter the land. And, and you, have, you have, obviously, the easiest one is you have the office instituted of, of the priesthood, the Levitical order, the Aaronic priesthood, the descendants of Aaron, uh, the Levites. Uh, and, and that office... Um, served a very particular function of representing humanity, the people of God, to to the Father. So the priest's function was to represent the people, the sinner, to God, which is why that they were charged with the care of the tabernacle, the place of worship, the sacrificial system that was incorporated. Um, the Levitical order represented man to, to God, which is why, by the way, um, the Levitical order um, is a um, sets this precedent for the fulfillment in Jesus, where Jesus becomes our again the author of Hebrews calls him our high priest. That we no longer need a, a human priest because we have Jesus as our high priest that gives us free access to the Father. So we no longer again contrary to Roman Catholic theology we don't need a priest. A physical, because we have Jesus, a great high priest, which gives us access to the Father. So you have the priesthood. But then you also had, like, um, the secondary role of a prophet. Uh, you, the third one was king. We're going to set that aside. It's not really relevant to the conversation. But the second one was the, the prophet was kind of the opposite of the priest. So the priest represented man to God. It was the, the, the prophet that, that represented God to man. And so the, the prophet, think of like, the prophet held a megaphone and, and was the conduit by which God would speak and reveal things to humanity. Again, within the Old Testament covenant. Uh, you can say that there's kind of like this weird, like hybrid third, like 2.5, like the judge category. Mm -hmm. um, only relevant because I'm studying currently the, the, the book of Judges. There's a weird hybrid category there. Um, representing God but also having dominion and authority. Again, not relevant to the conversation. But the prophet spoke. They were the conduit which, which God would speak to humanity. Now, that's a huge responsibility. Again, if you're a prophet, you're not speaking your words. 
You are literally the conduit, the avenue, the tool by which God Most High is articulating himself through you, the physical conduit, to his people. Which is why, like, the criteria for profit was really extreme. Like, in order for the people to be able to trust the words of a prophet, there was a couple things that kind of had to happen. Um, if they spoke to the future, they also had to speak to the present because if what they spoke in the present wasn't fulfilled, well, then they couldn't trust anything they spoke to the future. Because, again, you're claiming to speak for God, for God Jehovah. Never misses. R- what? God never misses. Right. Which is why, then, within the Levitical law, um, the criteria for a prophet is you could never be wrong. You know, I mean, it was a pretty high lofty bar. In fact, if you were ever wrong, you made a prophecy, it wasn't fulfilled. You were immediately defined as being a false prophet meant you were stoned to death. Um, again, the, the, the number of people that would ever rise to like, yeah, I want to be a prophet is small in its totality. So that's within the Old T- Testament. You know what you don't find within the Old Testament? Teachers. Um, the idea of a teacher, preacher, like the new covenant model of that is different. It's, it's, there's kind of this weird dichotomy that happens that transitions. So you have like the best mode is the prophet that speaks for God. High bar, high accountability. You don't mess around with it. You get to the new covenant and like, yes, there's still the role of a prophet. There's a spiritual gift of prophecy. There's, there's kind of a role for that. Again, I'm going to set that aside. But you have this idea of the teacher. Now, again, you can say, well, it will, don't we have rabbi, rabbis and teachers, etc.? Sure. In the, in, the, in the gospel record, you have rabbis, you have this synagogue, but you need to understand none of that's ordained in the Old, Te- the Old Testament. Like the idea of a rabbi, the synagogue, all of that comes during the, um, the Babylonian, Babylonian captivity. Yeah, I mean... Like it was, it was like the synagogue existed because people were living in faraway lands and couldn't come to the temple because the temple's even destroyed. And so there was like this, like we're going to work around, like we need some place we can congregate to worship to the best of our ability to study the scriptures, to educate our kids. The synagogue is, you have no mentions of the synagogue in the Old Testament at all. It's not sanctioned. It's not described. It's developed post Babylonian captivity. Same thing with the idea of a rabbi someone that taught the scriptures. Now, Jesus was called the teacher. He was, he was referred to as a teacher. He accepted and even didn't discount that, that responsibility. And we see that idea expounding upon the word, articulating the word, explaining the word, carrying over into the New Testament context. And then it gets ordained by God. And the idea that the Holy Spirit manifests, there's an, a, an actual role within the, the, the church of pastor-teacher. And again, this is all going to the concept of a heretic. So there are within the church this concept of a teacher. And their responsibility is to take God's word and to explain it, to expound upon it, to teach it. And there's the role of a pastor that takes it maybe a little bit further than a teacher in in its application. And that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The, The scriptures can say a plain reading. And, but then we can take the plain reading and apply it in a unique way to a particular culture or a time or a situation. And I think that that's the unique role of a, of a, of a preacher, different. 
There is then the role of the evangelist that takes the scriptures and are using it for evangelical purposes for to lead people to Jesus, for conversion. So we have these ideas established. Now, what is the role of the heretic? Now, within the Old Testament, prophet, it's a simple concept. False prophet, you get one thing wrong, you're stoned. You're discredited. New Testament, you have teacher, preacher. But we find from the Pauline epistles to the exhortations of, of Peter, you find even Jesus spoke about, hey, be leery of, quote, false teachers. Now, they weren't to be taken out and stoned to death. It's, it's a different thing of a false prophet. Um, and again, that, that wouldn't exactly work well within its New Testament context. But there is this constant refrain, this constant exhortation to be, to be weary and leery of people that would come into the body of Christ to take the scripture, twist it, distort it, and apply it in a way that God didn't intend. Now, formal definition of heretic. I asked a, a, one of you guys to try to pull that up because, again, this is spontaneous. I'm not going to pull that out of thin air. Uh, Spice Daddy, you got something? Yeah, it's uh, dictionary.com. Number one definition is a professed believer who maintains religious opinions contrary to those accepted by their church or rejects doctrines prescribed by that church. Man, I love love that definition. That definition, I think, absolutely nails it. I like the number three definition, too. It says, anyone who does not conform to an established attitude, doctrine, or principle. I think uh, oftentimes the word heretic, it's mainly a religious terminology. Um, It almost applies solely to religious doctrine. And I I think like the, the equivalent to that would be in rebellion of, uh, of a doctrine or, or a belief system. Um, yeah, no, no, I'm with you. I think, and and again, we're going to unpack this a little. I like the first definition a little bit better than the second. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think it, it creates a, a firmer line of demarcation. Um, because again, read the definition. The first one began a professing believer, right? A professed believer who maintains religious opinions contrary to those accepted by their church or rejects doctrines prescribed by that church. You see, I, I, yeah, again, and I would say beyond the church, just the scriptures, like what the Bible actually says, what God has to say. I I like that definition a lot. And I think that really gets to uh, the heart of it. The, the, the word heretic in regards to church history um, gets thrown around a lot. And, and actually, not only does it get thrown around, it gets misapplied. Um, in fact, there are times within church history that whom the church defined as a heretic and burned to the stake or executed in brutal ways. Well, I think the main one that we think like we, when we think of is Martin Luther. He was deemed a heretic by the Roman Catholic church. So Martin Luther, I, I mean, I agree with that. Um, but he's the one that ended up with like certain protections and didn't Zwingli right. died, mm. you know, like there are other, other church leaders at the same time period that didn't have the protections were called heretics for believing in basic biblical orthodoxy. And we're and we're we're executed as a result, like in horrific ways, and, and that continued like even up into the Church of England, you know, like you you go you 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 get way further 
even into like the early 1800s, you still had, you know, individuals that were being defined as heretics, executed accordingly. And we look back and like, well, wait a second, that's a misappropriation and application of the idea. And then even, even I think probably more uh, Americanized is the Salem witch trials, like where, where you get into this, like the defining of people in order to take extreme measures. Now, um, again, I think the word heretic has been misapplied, misappropriated, and therefore convoluted. For me to call someone a heretic, um, especially with this historical context, is, um, is a really weighty thing. Because, and again, there might be some divergence of opinion on this. Um, if I call someone a heretic, I'm not saying that you're just a false teacher, meaning you're getting something wrong. I, I get things wrong. No one, no one bats a thousand. No one gets everything right. Even if you think you have everything right, there's something you're going to find out later on is wrong. No one bats a thousand. No one's all knowing. No one's Jesus. For our Other non our non baseball our non American knowers, batting a thousand is baseball terminology. Mean that you hit every ball thrown at yeah. you. Also a baseball analogy. Appreciate that. I'm good with sports. You took the you know, batting we, analogy we, and like it's like, you know, hitting every ball thrown to you. Also using a sports it's we, it's but it's easier to say being right all the time. Right. I think I think that you know I just I, I just want we're we're a global show. We now, are we so are a global ministry. Gotta, you just gotta keep that in mind. That's right. Hope you're doing well out there, Walter. Before <laughs> yeah. before before I, I go any further, I, I like to make sure that uh, the other guys get a chance to just throw in some thoughts. Vinny, just the the the, the concept. I know this is kind of an off the wall deal, but you just initial no, I, impressions here. I think you're 100 percent right. Like studying history, like. We killed a lot of people in the name of the church for... In the name of Jesus. Yeah. No good reason. I mean, it's like it's like the, the early church was just like, God said murder everybody if they don't like you. And it's... As I'm sitting here listening to you tear this down, I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, this is bad. But... It's been said, it's been said that the church is the only institution that executes its weak. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're supposed to lift them up and help them. <laughs> Instead, we're like, yeah, burn them at the stake. Yeah, we were very guilty of of oh, the very thing chances. Jesus exhorted us to, to be unified, right? Right. So, heretic. Um, I'm very... Uh, I don't throw that word around lightly because it has been. And I think it's been misappropriated. So, to your question, Creighton, someone that is... is uh, and again... I'm going to exclude just people talking or YouTube channels or whatever. Let, like, like, let's talk about preachers. Formal church leaders. Formal church leaders. How do you identify a heretic? So someone in your pulpit that is actually a heretic. First, let me define a heretic in the most simplistic way. They're going to go to hell. So let's just start there. Like whatever they believe, whatever they're expounding, whatever the root basis of it is. A heretic is fundamentally someone that while claiming to be a believer is one of those unique categories that will stand before Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, I did this in your name. He says, depart, I didn't know you. Mm -hmm. And again, those are Jesus' words, not mine. So there is a category of people that fit within this, the, 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 the scope. So they believe they're a Christian, but what they're exp 
expounding upon, what they're teaching, what they're articulating is fundamentally antithetical to the core foundational principles that make someone a Christian. That makes sense? Yes. So practically. So I got a question. Okay, jump just, in there. Just to, I, I guess, for lack of a better term, playing devil's advocate, what are or what would you consider those core Christian principles that help us define what these false teaching and or heretical teachings would be? For me, it'd be like that, the, the, the Nicene creed kind of thing. Okay. Like the, what, yeah, yeah, like no, no, what, no. Great. You see what I'm saying? No, you're segueing perfectly. So let me ask you, I believe a hundred percent, like let's take a hot button issue within the church, women pastors, Big topic within the church, specifically the Southern Baptists, because they have no idea who they are anymore. J.D. Greer, Rick Warren, whatever. If you believe that a woman can be a preacher, can have an authoritative role within the body of Christ, Contrary to what we read in scripture and it's literal reading and interpretation. Does that make someone a heretic? Meaning are they going to hell? I'm asking you guys, are they, are you going to go to hell for that belief? I don't think so. No. Okay. So Creighton jumps right in. I don't um, think so, which I would agree with. I don't, I mean, I, that would be what I would call an open handed issue. I mean, I well, have very I do, 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 strong feelings no, no. about it. So I bring that up because, no, that, see, that's where I would disagree. I don't think it's an open-handed issue. I, I think I the Bible think is pivotal. very clear on it. I don't think it's open-handed. I'm just saying, real quick, real quick. I'm just saying, absolutely, I have a belief in this from a biblical perspective. Do I think your contrary belief, what I think is completely unbiblical, is that grounds for you going to hell? No. For the record, that's what I meant by open-handed. As opposed to, not, I don't mean the question is open. I mean that if you're wrong, you're not going to help it. Right. Okay. As opposed I, I to a close-handed. It's not a pivotal point. What we would call essential doctrine. Right, right, right. exactly. And I, I think that's where that Nicene Creed kind of helped establish. Well, was, or just even the, that, the, the apostolic that, creed. Yeah, right. And, and <laughs> I, think, I think that's, for me, I, I kind of know where I stand. I just, I think a lot of people don't know. Well, but real quick, the there are people so. like, so J.D. Greer's been saying stuff, and, and for those that don't know, um, he was the, the head of the Southern Baptist Convention Summit Church. He's a good dude. I, I, like, I've heard him. I, I actually listen to him. I disagree with things, but I'm, I'm okay to do that. Um, there's this move in the Southern Baptist Convention about women pastors. And, and, you, and again, again, maybe it's just the Twitter X thing. People throw around, he's a heretic. No, he's not. He's wrong. I agree with you. He's wrong, but he's not the definition of a heretic. He's not going to hell for that belief. Mm-hmm. You'll also hear like, um, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm within Calvary Chapel. I'm post-tribulational. Well, okay, great. You can stay here through the tribulation while I've been raptured at the beginning. Whatever you want to do, you're wrong. But, but are you a heretic? Like, no, you're not a heretic at all. You're. In my position, you're you're wrong, but that doesn't. Again, if you go back to the, are you going to go to heaven or not? Right. You see what I'm saying? Like Vinny, what yeah, what do I, I say makes I, sense? When I think heretic, we went to a 
Baptist church when I was a little kid, and this pastor would die on this sword that if you drank a beer ever in your life, you're going to hell. That's what I think of when I think of heretic. Like, you're preaching a falsehood. Like, that is not true. Right. Like, That's essentially legalism. Right. Like, you're telling your entire congregation if they've ever drank a beer, they're going to hell, and there's no absolution from that. Like, that is false preaching. Like, that's what I think when I hear a heretic. No, and, and, and again, because you're you're creating a dynamic where... People are going to hell. It's Jesus and do this, or Jesus and but don't do that. Right. Which is, again, Galatians, a gospel distortion. Right. So we're emphasizing something that's wrong. Yeah. And, and I think that's a good example, um, yeah, which is why we should be subtle. And, yeah, and, he was preaching grace through works, not faith, which is completely wrong. You can go to um, Roman Catholicism, I think, is a heresy. Mm-hmm. Because it's not justification by faith. It's justification by works. Exactly. I think that's, that's heretical. Now, I think the people that are promoting it are heretical. I think some of the people, I, I wouldn't say all Catholics are going to hell. Because I think that there are good Bible belief. They're just, they've, been, they've been twisted in the wrong way. And again, you can throw... You know, Joseph Smith never claimed to be a Christian. He started Mormonism. But there are Mormons that claim to be Christians. Again, I call you heretics. You're going to stand before Jesus and be like, whoa, that's not the same guy I thought. But again, I think that goes back to the core essential beliefs that we have as believers. Uh, and and I think though, I think anything that goes, well, the full definition of a heretic, if you go against these core beliefs, then that moves from just false teaching to heretical teaching and, and yes. so when you start preaching things like jesus was never crucified or jesus, jesus didn't rise or jesus wasn't the son of god or, or he didn't or rise from the dead or the bible's not right. inerrant right it, when you start teaching those i think that's when you move in the heretic heretical stuff instead of just false teaching so i think i think her for, for me heretical teaching is uh few steps above what false teaching is and yeah. like, like you said you can you can teach something <clears throat> false and I think if you, it, it, I think false teaching leads you down a pathway to heresy, for sure. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a big wrinkle into it, and I'm gonna make this conversation more complicated than you have any ideas about to come. Before I do that, though, before <laughs> before I throw in that that grenade, just pull the pin. You know what? I'm just gonna pull it. So, um, you know, this is, this is kind of relevant, Creighton, to, like, even today, I noticed, um, so I, I, I'm a big Twitter guy, x.com, whatever. I noticed Andy Stanley was trending again. Why? That was my question. So I clicked on it. So apparently he's done this thing where, um, and, and again, it's, 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 it's gone viral, um, I haven't listened to the whole thing in its totality. I don't even care to. Again, but for our conversation. So Andy Stanley has now come out and said that the biggest thing that Christians need to do moving forward is recognize that there are gay people and not just straight people that struggle with homosexuality. Okay. And, and, and then he affirms the reality of there being gay Christians. 
So would you classify him as a heretic or a false teacher? Could you be a gay Christian and be a Christian? And when I say gay, I mean practicing homosexuality. No. I mean, not any more than you can, not any more than you can practice any other sin. But it seems to be more of a overt and intentional because it's also tethered to identity. Right. There's a, there's, there's more to it. I'm just saying like, I would, I would unequivocally, by the way, call Andy Stanley heretic. Absolutely. He's leading people astray on purpose. Interesting. I, I think making so. a false path. Well, and, and again, I would go back to like a previous sermon series where he like completely discounts the, the inerrancy and authority of scripture. Like we need to move beyond. Oh, we've this. talked about that before. Yeah, we I have. We have. Like that. he's yeah. like he's gone way beyond. I think I think Andy Stanley might, if he were to die today, he'd stand before Jesus. And, and again, I'm not judging a man. At some point, he was a believer. My mom was in a college and career ministry with him and Louis Giglio. So I'm not like at some point he was there, and there's been this whole long progression. I'm glad I don't have to make a determination. I'm not trying to. I just wouldn't want to be in his shoes. And I would feel comfortable saying, hey, man, that guy's a heretic. You should not place yourself under his teaching. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's absolutely no different than saying there are people addicted to porn that are Christians. If you got the Holy Spirit in your heart and you are working and living your life with the Holy Spirit in your life, you're not going to be addicted to porn anymore. And the same thing is you're not going to be gay anymore. I have homosexual friends that have found Jesus and they no longer want to practice that because the Holy Spirit has taken over. And I would take it. I, I think that's a great point. Being a porn star. And identifying a porn star. I did. Mm-hmm. Well, so, so here would, here would be, here would be how I would classify that. So like, you know, I've never met someone addicted to pornography that enjoyed it. Most of the time it's just this brutal battle of the spirit and the flesh and there's this this constant failure but there's there's a battle happening um i think that's a different dynamic than someone that's like hey i was born this way and i've embraced it and i'm not fighting against it i have no resolve or 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 sense of shame that's a totally different dynamic than the person that's struggling but as soon as you introduce the Holy Spirit into that dynamic, oh, I, I'm I mean, with you. yeah, but it's, I'm with it's you. No, and I think, different. and I think that 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 the person that's struggling with pornography, I think the Holy Spirit's working on them. As right. someone, as someone who's a 15 year old boy, <laughs> porn is also like a legitimate addiction. It affects your brain in the same way heroin right. does. So it's kind of like, can you be an, a heroin addict and be a Christian? I think, like I a think absolutely. By the Agreed, way, we're getting Robert. some interjection from yes. one of our, our studio studio audience. And uh, what were you saying specifically? Um, it's like saying it's like saying, uh-huh. An addiction is okay. An addiction is okay. Christian. And saying you're a Christian. So I, I would the, here would be the difference that I would make. It's an addiction versus an identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the biggest issue I have with homosexuality is how tethered it is to an identity. And like I am this I, I God made me this way. Well, okay, God didn't make you this way, sin did. It's a different topic. Now here, here's the I would I would have no problem saying, and we're going to wrap this up quickly because I do want to get to the, the question mm-hmm. that was asked, uh, which might give segue to an, the the next episode. Um, with the definition given, I'd call Andy Stanley a heretic, in every true sense of the word. You know who I wouldn't call a heretic anymore? I would at one point. I don't now. 
Oh, Rob please, Bell. Oh, you're going to have to explain that one. Because to me. he doesn't claim to be a believer. Today, Rob Bell does not. He his he does not claim to be a Christian at all. I see. He has claimed to deconstruct. He is no. He no longer believes what he did, and he is speaking from a totally different place. He is not claiming to be something, and articulating something contrary. And to me, it's like I have no problems with that. Like you, you're just you're what you are. Like the, the I think the heretic dynamic is I am claiming again the definition to be a believer, but the things that I am preaching or teaching or articulating run contrary to the identity I'm espousing. I don't have a problem saying Rob Bell's just an unbeliever. Mm. Again, you can't be a heretic and a belief and an unbeliever. You're just an unbeliever at that point. Right. I got I got a question. You see what I'm saying? Does that yeah. make sense? Yes, I, I do get that. I got a question. So can a heretic be anybody or is it can it be someone that's in a position of authority like a, a pastor or somebody like that? According to your definition, it could be it has anybody. to be a self-proclaimed believer. It doesn't necessarily have to be a religious leader. And and even then, like obviously in his in his orthodox definition, we would say someone articulating truth, preaching, having a place of authority. I, I would say anyone that has heretical beliefs would be by definition a heretic. Because the whole point is you're right. using your proclamation to a belief to lead others seeking that belief astray. So For sure. the, m- the main thing that comes to my mind is like Mormons or Latter-day Saints. They, or Seventh-day Adventists. Yes, or flat-out heretical teachings, and they proclaim those per, those heretical teachings. I would say, yeah, they were, I would say that they are all, especially the Mormons. I have a, I really dislike the Mormon religion. So I have no problem saying, I think all Mormons are heretics because, and again, well, they believe and again, in hypocritical, like, because yeah. I don't think that Joseph Smith was because Joseph Smith actually said that he was the only real Christian and all of us were heretics. So he's not actually espousing the same belief. That's true. It's a whole deal. But he said that everyone else is a heretic. I'm the only one that truly believes in Christianity. Mormons now, however, believe that we believe a lot of the same stuff they do. Right. And they're they claiming claim to be Christianity. The Mitt Romney wing of the, the, right. the Mormon They party. claim Christianity while espousing Xenu or whatever. Sorry, Xenu is Scientology. <laughs> but they actually claim Christianity and will argue with you if you'd say... I don't think you're a Christian. I think we're talking about two different people. Real quick. They will fl- argue with you. Flip, flip to me just, just okay. because Mormonism okay. get brought in. I'm going to do this very quickly. What, what, we're, what we're articulating, what, so the fundamental, like, who is Jesus? That's the question that I need a Mormon to answer. Who is Jesus? Because you believe that he is a created being by God who is the half-brother of Satan. That is not what the Bible teaches or what Christians hold. We don't believe that Jesus is created. We believe he's the creator. He's not a half-brother of Satan or Lucifer. He's not the first Adam. He is God incarnate. So again, right there, we diverge and that position on, you use the same word Jesus as I do. Let's define who that Jesus is. They're totally different people. Mm -hmm. You think you're right? I believe I'm right. I'm right. You're wrong. Okay, we're good. Now, (laughs) moving on. Before before I transition to the, the question, I'll, I do want to get to, um, and I'm glad I'm glad I gave first dibs to what you were thinking. I am too, because I actually think the question that I was presented with segues in a, in a 
a unique way to, to what we're talking about. Before I do that, any any interactions on the interwebs? Uh, none. The WWWs. Well, it <laughs> no, is a it's Tuesday. Been a very quiet comment section. It is a Tuesday episode. Any any thoughts from our audience, Robert, Jonathan? Any anything you guys want to add in? Anything at all? Going once, going twice. You have an opportunity at the end to bring it in. Think it through. Let me get to the question. So I was asked, how do you prepare a Bible study? Literally got that text today. We've actually gotten an email that was almost similar yeah. about preparing a Bible study. And I, and I, I want to just kind of like, um, and this, this could be its own episode, and maybe this will just be a clip notes to that. So if you are in a position, whether it's children's ministry or youth ministry, or you're going to fill in for your pastor at the pulpit or you're teaching a home group, whatever that happens to be. And man, we can, we can go back to like, this could be its own class. <laughs> so fundamentally, and, and again, there's multiple different ways of teaching. There are people that will cherry pick a verse and use it to substantiate some diatribe that they have. I'm not even going to talk about that. We're going to set that aside. Um, there are people that, that will teach, teach, um, in a pseudo topical way where it's like, let's take a big political issue and find some verses we can fit within that. I'm not even going to talk about that. Uh, let's try to whittle this down to maybe like two applications just for the, the question. Uh, one, what I don't do often, um, but I, I do appreciate like genuine topical messages. So, um, the Lord puts on your heart this idea. And, and so you're going with, with this idea that God gave you and you're going, you're substantiating it with scripture. You're building this case behind it. Um, it's a scriptural based thing, substantiating something God put on your heart. Creighton, you did that recently. Yes. That's essentially how I got my immunology sermon. Absolutely. It's on our YouTube channel. So the Lord gave you this idea and then you went to the scriptures, you studied it, you presented this biblical argument behind it. That's fine. We'll, we'll include that. And then we'll include also what I gravitate towards 99% of the time. That's expositional study. So I'm going to teach through a passage of scripture. Um, how do you approach that? So from the macro, understand what you're trying to do. So let's say you have a passage of scripture. Let's say you have a chapter you're going to teach through. Um, Romans one, let's say you're going to go through, you're going to teach Romans chapter one. Well, what do you do? How do you, how do you approach that? First thing you do, you go to chapter by chapter because <laughs> you can get Romans one summarized very clear. Solid plug. Step one. Uh, if you're not interested in studying at all, an Amazon Christmas is a great divergence, <laughs> uh, available at amazonchristmas.com and amazonchristmas.com. Um, thanks Justin. Um, <laughs> So how do you how do you, how do you deal with this? You have a passage of scripture. You're going to unpack it. Let, let's go with the macro. Like, what's the big goal? The big goal is that um, you're trying to take the scripture and you're trying to explain what God is saying factually. That's step one, and then you're also trying to do it through your personality 
Because again, if that wasn't important, then you could just play David Guzik. You say, hey, we're going to study Romans 1. Let me press play on EnduringWord.com. Another shameless plug. And you can listen to David Guzik, but that's not what's happening. Like God is wanting to use you. He's wanting to articulate truth that's indisputable and unchanging and unwavering and is black and white. But he's wanting to do it through the flavor of you because you're the teacher. You're the person that God has called. So how do you do that? How do you take, okay, I'm going to communicate these basic truths, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to have it filter through me. So it comes out true, but different than listening to somebody else because it's coming through me. That is the goal. How do we achieve that goal? If you will indulge me, let me just kind of give you a big background to my own teaching style. Just kind of how I've come to, to where I am. Cool. So that's the goal. So when I became a youth pastor in 2003, long time ago, I started teaching every week. And it's like, oh, how do I do this? You know? And I went to my mentor. My example. My dad. By the way, the author of Chapter by Chapter. <laughs> and how does my dad teach? Well, my dad has, has he, and he's famous for this. He is verbatim. He's fully scripted. So my dad will sit down and he'll study the passage. He'll work through the passage. And then he'll type out his Bible study verbatim, illustrations included. He can hand you his Bible study. You can read along. Mm-hmm. And he's great at it. He's a pro. To the point that you can be sitting there listening to my dad teach a passage. You could be reading along and like he's not breaking from it. Like he's just... You, you don't feel like he's reading it. He's performing it. It's, it is a play. It's a script that he's written out, and he's so in tune with it. It flows from him, and, it's, it is, and, he, and as a result, there's no rabbit trails. He can turn a phrase. The illustrations are perfect. Like it, it, and, he, and he says exactly what he wants to say and doesn't mix words to say what he doesn't. If you have a problem with what he said, then you, it's not like, well, I misspoke. No, he wrote it down. And so when I first started teaching, I was like, well, that's what my dad does. That's what I'm going to do. I did that for like two years. I'll never forget. We were about to go. I was teaching a high school group on Wednesday night. Thursday morning, we were going to fly out to California for a youth pastors conference. My dad happened to be speaking at it. I was able to go to it. So he came in that night, Wednesday night, and he listened to me preach. I don't, I have no idea what I was preaching. Um, but I was excited. My dad was there. He heard me speak. It was great. So we get on the plane. We're flying to California the next day. And so at some point I said, hey, I, you know, um, what'd you think of last night's Bible study? And he said, I thought it was awesome. And man, right there my head blew up because I thought it was fantastic. Like your turn of phrases, the, the way you approach the text, the points that you brought out, it was thought out. It was articulate. Like, and, and again, you were, you were communicating it. It was, it was wonderful. And man, I'm on cloud nine. We're in the air, 40,000 feet. But and then he paused and he goes, that said, I don't think anybody in that room heard a word you said. And I went from like here to like, <sighs> he goes, I'm a, at the time, I'm a 50 year old man. And I loved it. But you're preaching to 14, 15, 16 year olds. 
And I don't like all the things that you did. I don't think they appreciated or it connected. It landed. Like you got to know your audience. And man, it was like a punch in the, in the, in the jugular. Like it was like, gosh, cause he built me up real good and then tore me down real hard. And so at that point, I, I, I really, over the course of that youth, co- that, that youth pastors retreat, I, I, I just started really thinking it through. And so I came home and like for two or three weeks, I thought, you know what? I'm going to experiment maybe with a different style. So I did like a, a, a worked out outline. <sighs> Terrible. Felt like I was lost. I, I minimized it even more to like a f- three or four point outline. Felt like I was lost. I was like, well, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to just like pull the ripcord. And so I went in, no notes, my Bible. I'd studied. I'd done all my studying the same. Instead of typing it out or outlining it, I just went in and just spoke from the heart. And it worked. It worked for me. And it, and it resonated. It connected. Like, I felt it connect. And then, and then at, by that point, I'm doing a high school. I'm teaching high schoolers and I'm teaching middle schoolers. Two totally different worlds. Um, I'm able to, to take this down to the, I, I know the passage. Again, I know what God's speaking to me. Now, I got to bring it. I got to, like, get it through me to them. That's the goal, right? And I realized at that point, I got to get away from scripted notes for me. I can't do an outline. It doesn't work. I can't do a three-pointer. I can, it doesn't work. I just got to just be organic. And God used it. And then for 10 years, I did that. I did that for years and years and years. And, and it worked because, man, I'm teaching a high school Bible study. I'm teaching a middle school Bible study. Middle school on Sunday night. High school on Wednesday night. And I'm doing five days a week for an hour at a Bible class for high school students. I'm teaching like seven times a week, all different content. Like I don't have, I don't have time to like type anything out. And the Lord met me in that and just used that. Now, when I got to Calvary 316 and I started, okay, I'm going to start teaching adults. I, I, I didn't want to be that raw. I didn't want to be that organic. And honestly, I didn't trust my own personality. I could get away saying things to a bunch of kids. For the record, we didn't trust your personality. I appreciate that, Craig. <laughs> Someone that grew up through all of this, I appreciate that. Yeah, but So it was like, okay, I need to be with adults. I need to be more concise. I need to be more articulate. And it also developed from like, so I would fill in for my dad, and I would teach the same way. Sometimes that worked really well. Other times I had to come back first service the next week and issue an apology because I said, cut your balls off from the pulpit. <laughs> Speaking of the the Ethiopian eunuch, it didn't play very well. You said the, that at first service, which is all it was, old people. It was bad. And then Larry Salsamane and my buddy is in the back sound booth, like replaying the audio. Cut your balls off. Cut your balls off. Cut your balls off. And like, it just, it was bad. And I got, I got confronted. It didn't help. We had a staff retreat starting that Monday. Oh and that was like gosh. the first item of business that sticking his foot in his mouth instead of saying i'm sorry i doubled down on stupid of course you did. it was all me and then i next week issued an apology so i got into like teaching adults it's like i can't do this like i gotta really think this through so i went back fully to scripting and i did full scripting for the next 10 years nine years yeah nine nine and in fact we developed c316.tv so that we actually built in all my notes into an application so that you came to church, you could follow along with me. And it was great. Did it for nine years. And, and the Lord blessed it, and it was great. Now, I'm going to say this. So August of 
21, I was starting Matthew. And I had just had this thing like this. Maybe I should, you know, maybe I should just do this differently. I don't know. Just felt this like, because again, you do notes, full, full scripting. You can say what you want to say. It does restrict your personality some. Just naturally, it does that. Again, you're looking at notes, no matter how good you are at delivery, but you're not looking at people. You're not reading the room as well. There is a drawback. Now, the, the, the plus is you can say what you want to say. You can expound on God's word. You're handling it with, 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 with kid gloves. You're doing it right. It's much harder to pivot, though, if a new thought comes up or something happens in the room. Or well, I mean, most people are really terrible without notes. That's real. Like organic, free-flowing consciousness of thought. For a solid 45 minutes. Is, is going to be a disaster. You're going to go rabbit trail. You're going to say something you don't want to say or say it in a way you didn't want to. Like, that's a hard exercise to do. I've only known a few people that have ever been good at it. Um, John Corson never used notes. Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't use notes. That's interesting. <laughs> he doesn't. That gets him in trouble. But he's, you know, so it, he doesn't say things are taking example. No, no. <laughs> Donald Trump is. Donald Trump does not say things articulately. And I think he says things sometimes in a way he wish he he didn't. But what does what do people love? Man, I it's connect organic. with it. I, it's organic. I connect with it. He's speaking my language. So it's that drawback. It's like mm-hmm. that catch twenty two. He's not super articulate, but he connects. It lands. I would double tithe to hear you say "cut your balls off" on the pulpit. <laughs> <laughs> the flip side to it: Barack Obama was super eloquent, never left his teleprompter, but was good at it. He was a good mm. order. But sometimes other people felt like I don't know if I'm connecting with you. I think I'm being like you're selling me anyway, going into Matthew. I had this real conversation within myself. I thought I'd call my dad. I called him. I said, I said, have you ever thought going into a new series? Maybe I should just abandon notes and just do this a different way. Thinking for sure. I know what my dad's going to say. He says, every single time I start a new series, I have that conversation. I said, what? <laughs> it blew my mind. He goes, no, every single time I had that, the, the, exactly what you're thinking. I had that same thought. Now I always come back to the way I'm doing it, but I had that conversation. I've, I've, I've absolutely had that conversation. Now, what did I do? I, I, I dealt with it, prayed through it. I talked to people about it. I came back to doing it the way. So the first seven chapters of Matthew is all scripted. You can find it at C316.tv. What happened then? I died. <laughs> and then you know what happened? Not God only, made the decision for you. Not only, well, okay, so, so I died. I came back to life. But where did I find myself? I was alive and I could talk, but what could I not do? Turn pages, type. I couldn't type. <laughs> at all. Like... I still, to this day, I don't think I could type fast enough to do it. And I'm laying in the hospital. I'm not kidding. I'm laying in the hospital thinking, what do I do? Like, I'm going to be able to breathe. I'm going to be able to talk. But I'm not going to be able to do this the way that I've always done it. Do I wait until I can? Talk to text. That doesn't work. (laughs) Because I don't talk real well either. So it just mumbles it. And but, we'll, but, just, we'll but, say cut your balls off. Right. Stupid talk to text. <laughs> Do you want to say that? Do you want to say text. that? <laughs> but so what? So I really was. I, I'm, I, I will never forget. I'm laying in the hospital. Jessica's with me, and I had just gotten off the track. I'm talking. I know I'm going to be able to talk, and I'm like, I'm going to go home, and I can preach. I can preach. I can study. 
the way I've always studied. I'll need a little help. I'll need somebody to press play on the Bible studies for me to study and maybe help turn some pages and some books. Like I'll be able to study without my arms, but I will not be able to type out a Bible study like I've always done. So I do I wait for that or, or not. And man, it was, it didn't take a second for the Lord to say, my strength is made perfect in weakness and you have to just let it go. Your calling has not changed and you have to just trust me. I said, Lord, okay. And there was not, it was the moment I got home, I couldn't walk, couldn't move. It was March 13th. It was a month and it was going to be Easter. I was like, guys, I'm preaching. And they're like, <laughs> sure. And, and they're like, we'll let Jessica make that decision. I got closer and closer. Man, I'm doing therapy. I'm trying to work. Jess was like, you're not going to stand. Can't stand. But you, if you sit, you can do it. And they had to pre, they, we, we printed out all the text. I had music, four music stands in front of me, and I sat in a chair. I couldn't move my arms. I felt like Ricky Bobby getting back on the stick with a blindfold and a cougar in the back. You know, like, we're doing this. And I ran right into a house, you know, like I wasn't sure where this was going to go because I loved notes and I loved using my arms. and I couldn't do either. I was like, Lord, you got to you got to take this. And, and, and I think I think um, God has met me in my weakness. I don't know if my preaching's better or not. I'll let other people make that determination. As someone who hates taking notes, I've never been a note taker. And as a teacher who never I, I would I would write notes down, but I would never follow my notes. I have heard from multiple people, including myself, who sees the difference between you pre-COVID with the notes and then after. I enjoy your sermons now much more than before because I, I don't like it when I, I just think it's scripted. I don't like scripted stuff. It's not real. But now it's like it's real. Do you see I, I I get like that. It was I mean, good. it was good before. Yeah, but now I can see, I can see, it's because there's no notes there. I don't know what you're saying, <laughs> and if I know, right. if or I don't know what you're going to say, and if I if I know what I'm supposed to know about the Bible, and what you're saying matches up with the Bible, I know it's the Holy Spirit speaking through you instead of me wondering is this just the notes or you, you see what I'm saying? I'm going to get to you in a second. Uh, then he, Robert, you weren't around beforehand. I've only seen a handful. Yeah, I mean, you're you're full, you're full, you're non the BC Zach. <laughs> Vinny, but you've been around. So I would, I was really bad about reading ahead. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I would like pull it up on C316.tv and I'd like read the whole thing. And I'd be like, all right, I'm like, I'm like ready to go home. Now I'm like engaged <laughs> the whole time. Like I that's have to interesting. Pay no, that's 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 very interesting. If, so, if if you ever look at me at church and I'm looking at you, I am not listening. I'm thinking about hunting or fishing or <laughs> anything but church. If I'm like looking off at the walls, I'm soaking it in. Like interesting. I will I will say that and again, um so back to the question, the origins of the question. What do I do? If you're a young Bible teacher, so you have to make a decision. Do I do I nail the content or do I am I personable? Nail the content. Always nail the content. Whatever you have to do 
to nail the content, that's your number one job. Because there are people that are super charismatic and don't nail the content, and you're entertained, and, and you leave with nothing. Nail the content, no matter what. But as you progress, find a way where you can balance content and personality. Because again, God's wanting to use you. He's calling you. And your unique way. Man, I listen to Damien Kyle, who's the weirdest dude on the planet. Weirdo. And I love him because it's like, this totally different. And John Corson is like way out here. And Joe Foch is so historical. And David Guzik's like, boom. Notes. And my dad's like, boom, scripture. Like, and I love, I love the diversity. And then you got Ken Graves who's, oh, 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 oh talking craziness. <laughs> like you get like, and, and I love the fact that God wants to articulate his truth through unique vessels. And God wants to use you if you're a teacher at whether Sunday school or at youth or whatever it happens to be. God wants to use you and, and wants to filter that through your uniqueness. Figure out the best way to do that. And if it's, if it's full scripting, do that. If it's not for me, I could, I, I had to go heavy one way or the other. Like my brain, the way my so brain works, I can't have anything in front of me. And, and, and here's the deal. And I did this back in the day. Like I could teach, I could teach three services with no notes and all three services would be identical. That's wild. Yeah. Because but that's so, just the way my brain works. Like the way that I, the way that I set up my Bible study, because I can't do full notes, like verbatim full notes, because my problem is then I start reading. And then as soon as I look up, I look back down and I have no idea where I was. Right. I don't know what the last thing I said was. I'm color coordination would help you by the way. Color coordination. Oh, oh, on the, on the page. That makes yeah, sense. I was taught, yeah. I was taught that by, uh, there was a pastor in Seattle and I'm thinking of his name. He's retired now, but he, I listened to a Bible study. He didn't, he like literally color coordinated his notes so that like he could look down and see, like it helped him. That with, makes sense. Oh, it was great. No. And I did that for years. Like I, I, I color coordinated everything with like blocks Again, you're like interesting, but here's the, the difference. The difference is some people have to like memorize the script and perform it. Mm -hmm. Some people are better or like improv. Yeah. What I ended up doing was I ended up doing like extended bullet points. So I had, I think eight pages of, you know, main topic for this part of the Bible study. And then everything would break down into bullet points. And some of those were verbatim. Some of them were just lead-ins to an idea that I knew that I had that I wanted to say. And let me tell you And this. that would allow me to be more myself as I was talking, um, as the, opposed to the verbatim parts, which were had, usually had figures and stuff that I wanted to get through. Teach 10 more times, and then tell me what you're doing. <laughs> That's a good point. Again, there's a Malcolm Gladwell-like deal about like, you're not really proficient in anything until you do 10,000 hours worth. Mm -hmm. There's a truth to that. Like I agree. Like experiment, figure it out. Again, the goal, God's truth through you. Just, you got to figure out how to do that. That's the goal. Now, as a, as a, as a preacher, I got a preacher right here. Another preacher in, in the audience. Yeah. Can you break down your method of approaching scripture? Okay. Breaking down my method yeah. of approaching scripture. So like, okay, I, I kind of like get a little bit into Judges 13 how am I going into this for Sunday? Okay. So I have, um, I have several different preachers that I listen to and I do this with, so there's a, a few go-tos. 
I don't listen to Sandy Adams, although chapter by chapter is a wonderful place to start. <laughs> I don't listen to Sandy Adams, not because of, of any, you should, if you're, if you're anyone other than his son, because I grew up listening to Sandy Adams. Like I've gone through the Bible with Sandy Adams, like my net, like my natural reading and conclusions of a passage have already been filtered through Sandy Adams. So like, Okay, so so I'll, I'll read the passage. Well, ultimately, I'll, I'll go through the passage a lot. Um, you know, there are some people that, like, there's a framework, but you're just asking me. So I, I kind of like being surprised by the text. So I don't read ahead before my study. So, like, when I, when I got to, like, like, again, and I'm dealing with Samson, so I already kind of know some of the story. And, and I've gone to Bible college. I grew up in a Calvary Chapel. I know a lot of you know the scriptures. You know a lot of the stories. I know a lot Let's of the stories. But like, I, like to, I, like, I like to go in with a clean slate. I just want to hear what someone has to say about it. So my all, always, I will always listen to David Guzik. And David gives you like the nuts and bolts of, of a text. EnduringWord.com. And he's great at it. And he's great at it. Nuts and bolts. Not going to go super deep. There's a limitation to it, but like, your framework. I always listen to Joe Foch, one of my favorite Bible teachers. So I always listen to Pastor Joe. Um, and Joe, admittedly, um, is, is um, he doesn't go super deep in application, but man, he goes deep in like history, archaeology, uh, a lot of the theology behind things. Like he's, David's nuts and bolts, but Joe takes like the nuts and bolts like a little deeper than, than that and adds some color to it. So I love I loved Joe for that. Um, and then I always listen to Damien Kyle. I love Damien Kyle because Damien kind of gravitates a little bit on the, like he's got the same history, does some of the nuts and bolts, but then he like, he kind of like moves a little bit more into some of the application. Um, and he's quirky. Like I just, I like his quirkiness. And then I always throw in a variety of other teachers at that point. So right, right now with judges, there's some books I'll get into it and I'm like, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. Um, John, I love John Corson. John Corson's not nuts and bolts at all. John Corson is like the Joe Rogan of Bible teaching. He's like, we're going full conspiracy, baby. <laughs> so like, I will have listened to all the nuts and bolts. And then like, if there's an analogy, no one's thought of if there's a detail, no one's considered like John will go like hardcore, like, and like, and, and sometimes, man, I'll listen to a Bible study and I'm like, that made no sense at all. And then sometimes I listen to a study and I'm like, that was terrible. But man, that one nugget was like gold. And, and, and it just, and it hits me. Um, I always, um, I like, so Ken Graves, study through judges is very broad. I, I have listened to it. It's Okay. Um, I try to go outside of my sphere for every study. I always try to listen to somebody I've never listened to before. Um, I actually found there was a verse by verse study and it's loose by JD Greer through judges called counterfeit idols or false idols or, and it's been, uh, again, it's a different type type of teaching. It's a different approach, but man, I've, I've really been blessed by it. Like I've been ministered to it. So, so I do a lot of listening. I also do a lot of reading. I'm, I'm reading one commentator uh, that's Presbyterian. 
that has been, I think, the best commentary in Judges I've ever read. Spot on, like gospel-centric. Uh, Timothy Keller has a commentary I've been reading a little off and on. Uh, a buddy of mine, Mike Foch, referred to me to like a 17th century uh, like reprint of some guy that's like lessons to young boys from the judges. <laughs> it's been awesome. Like it's been like just this random, like I try to take, so to your question, I try to take in my study just a myriad of perspectives because I really want to know the essence. So there, like everybody I listen to, there's things I agree with, things I disagree with. And, and man, I'm just, I'm just digesting this text as much as I can. And in that process of doing that, I'm really like within my own heart, within my own mind, within my own perspective, like I'm starting to like really like hone down to what I feel like is, is, is this is what this is about. And now in the past, from that point to when I get to the pulpit, I get to a, an, an open document and I'm typing out everything I'm thinking. And so we have I'm, a um, comment on Facebook that would go really well. Right okay. Here. Yeah, yeah. Throw that in. Uh, it is from one of my oldest friends, Zach. Hi, Zach. Love you. Um, he asks, at what point do you turn to the original Greek or Hebrew? Okay. So at any so, point, like when I'm, when I'm studying. So right now, just, and this is full disclosure. <laughs> um, uh, Damien Kyle, John Corson, J.D. Greer, um, uh, Ken Graves. All of those people, I'm listening to their commentary on the treadmill at the gym. That literally, like that's all I'm doing it for an hour because I've got to stay healthy. I got to increase my lung capacity. And, and honestly, I just don't want to listen to mindless music. I might as well listen to somebody talking about a text. Hmm. I love it. And, it. and if I've run out of text to listen to, like today, I'm thinking about doing a series in Song of Solomon. I listen to Damien Kyle on the first three chapters of Song of Solomon. And if not, you know what I also do? I go to getfedtoday.com. And because, you know, five studies get released every Monday from various Bible teachers, and it's a wonderful podcast, some blessed saints producing every week <laughs> and hosting someplace <laughs> for free. You know. But, like, I on the treadmill, I, I, I exercise, I, I, I work out my body, but I'm also studying. Now, David Guzik and Joe Foch, who I just have really connected with this with, with judges, I don't. I'm sitting right here with my Bible open, pen in hand. I take notes in my Bible. And I got blueletterbible.org. Is it .org or .com? Let me double check. Um, I've got Blue Letter Bible open. Org. And so there are times where, like, something gets brought up in the Greek. Um, I pause. Or, like, I want to pull up a word. Like, I'll pause a study and then, and then dig into some research. The Valley of Succoth. This whole thing with Delilah, mm -hmm. uh, something got thrown out. I paused, and for like the next thirty minutes, I dug deep into this valley where it was, what it was about. I dug into Delilah. I have a whole different theory on. De I have a different theory on Delilah. That's so radical. I text David Guzik. I said, "Hey, quick random question." I texted it out. Thoughts, and he says, "I've never thought of that." I think you might be onto something. I said, well, what if this is the application? He goes, wow, that's great. And well, then I can't I sent, wait to hear it. And then I sent like an emoji of me being all like bashful. <laughs> do, they, do they have any studies on how to pronounce stuff correctly? Thank you, Justin. Appreciate that. No, Blue Letter Bible does do pronunciations. I've skipped all of that because I'm <laughs> going to pronounce it all the wrong way, oh, Justin. Yeah. 
Thank you. Making, Thank you for that, Justin, pointing out the fact that I can't pronounce anything. Appreciate it. Spice Daddy. Also, it's almost 9.30. I know. We're, we're yeah, yeah, we've gone long. It's Tuesday. This is a Tuesday it's episode. It's a Tuesday episode. We're, we're, we're doing our thing. So my point is, like, I used to type it out. Do you think through your intro to your message? Okay, do I think through my intro to the message? So. Which intro? No, real quick. So I, I, um, I used to type everything out, which meant like the intro, everything was just, man, and I, w- I would do a first draft. I probably did like eight drafts. I, I like when I would script it out for context, my Bible study prep in totality was probably 35 hours when I would script it out because of the copious amounts of studying and then just working through how to articulate it. Um, I'm not at 35 hours. I'd say I, I probably dropped to like 20, 15 to 20. Because I can't type it out. I, all of that I can't do. So when I get done studying it, and I have it all, I know the text backwards and forwards. At that point, it's, it's just a, 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 a be still and know that I am God type of moment. And I go into Sunday morning just feeling totally helpless. To be honest, I go in helpless and you would think, well, maybe I've got like an intro. Maybe I can think through an intro. Maybe that'll give me a starting point. And uh, that doesn't work. Sometimes so, Chad comes in and he does a really long. I know, and he takes away he half takes my away Bible study. Intro, I know. So that helps you out. So at this point, I'm not kidding. Um, the way that Judges has worked and, and Matthew 8 <laughs> through the end is I get behind the pulpit, I open up the Bible, do a few announcements, and I pray. And part of my prayer is, Lord, whatever come it, like, so pastoral note things come out of your mouth there's another thing going on in your head at the same time any pastor knows that so i'm i'm praying one thing and the back of my head the prayer is lord um yeah we don't i don't know where this is gonna go and so um you're on and here we roll and whatever comes next i'm not kidding i say amen i have no idea what's about to come out of my mouth and whatever happens is kind of where it goes that's how it should be. And then, man, I it's like I, I really feel, I went to a rodeo uh, this summer in New Jersey, which is a weird place to go to a rodeo. Cowtown, <laughs> one of the oldest rodeos in America, longest running rodeo, and they open with bull riding. Yankees and like have we, rodeos? I, yeah, I had no idea what was going on. I had my kids in the front, dude. Cowboy got stopped. I think killed in the first. Like, dude, it's like an eight. It's the most intense eight seconds of humanity. <laughs> A bull riding. I, that's what I feel like is the first eight seconds of my Bible study. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, what is about to happen? And then we're holding on and trying to get to the end. And then it's like landing the plane when I've never ha- taken a, a pilot slices. But by then, we're rolling. And I'm not kidding. This past Sunday, I, I made the comment. Like, chapter 12 of, of Judges, I didn't. I had no idea. I'd study. I knew the passage. But, like, what the application was for that passage, I just, no one gave me anything either. Everybody blew through it and went right to Samson. I'm like, thanks, guys. <laughs> David Guzik didn't even teach it. He let one of the assistant pastors teach it. I have a problem with that, by the way. Like, 
And like my plans blow through it. We'll get through chapter 13. And man, like that whole Ephraim unity, the church, like it, I, I closed the, after the Bible study. It probably wasn't on the recording that we produced, but maybe on the live stream. Like I shared with him, like I did not like going into this. I wasn't sure where this was going to go. And in the moment, man, the Lord really just met me there and just spoke. And that is, I, I'm, I'm honest, like that's the most terrifying thing. And if you're a new pastor, don't do that. Like, don't. Script it out and be boring to start with. Do that for like five years until you can get comfortable being boring. And then, like, let the Lord lead you. Again, he wants to filter it through you. So that can I answer your question about... I know you're a pastor, you're a preacher. You're Well yeah, I'm just thinking of like someone new approaching it, coming up, you know, it's like what what do you do? Like you you're just starting, you're putting this together and you might have been thrown into some Sunday school and you you're trying to work through your idea of Yeah, working through it, yeah. How to approach this subject that they, the people might get it and that God might be glorified. Okay, e- easy. And I, th- I so appreciate you simplifying that. If you're in a situation where you have to teach something. For instance, your pastor gets COVID and goes <laughs> right, into a right, coma. Right. right, and then you got to. First, um, more than anything else, you have to know what you're teaching. If you don't know it, you can't communicate it to anybody. You have to know it. No notes, notes, it doesn't matter. Hey, what is this about? You have to be able to answer that question and present it in such a simple way that anybody can get it. And with that in mind, one of the best things that ever, like Gail Irwin was a hero of mine. I don't know if you know who Gail Irwin was. Yeah, yeah Gail Irwin, uh, I, I, uniquely, uh, he ended up doing a three-day lecture series in Bible college. He did an IBS, an inductive Bible study, three days lecture series at Bible college. And he broke down what he does and why he does it, which was brilliant. And he said, when I, would, when I would walk on stage, I looked for the youngest people in the audience. And most of the time, they were elementary school kids. He was like, I talked to them. He was like, whatever I was going to teach, I talked to them. I looked at them. I focused on them. I wanted, if I was engaging with them, I knew I had everybody else. And I think that that's like something like, like if you're teaching a 6th through 12th grade youth class, if you can't get this across to the 6th graders, you're not going to get it across to the 12th graders. Mm. Focus on the the, the the like the 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 youngest kid you can. Feed the people that need to be fed the most, and then, because you're gonna feed everybody else. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If you can get a little kid to eat spinach, everybody else is gonna. Everybody, eat it. if you can make it good enough, yeah. everybody else is gonna be like, all right, that was decent. Like yeah. I can I can roll with that. So I I, I do think that again, um, I will say, don't ever make the Bible boring. Like that's the most that's the number one cardinal cardinal sin is somebody coming and saying that was boring. Like because the Bible's not boring. You might have been boring, but the Bible's not. And like don't leave people with the impression that the Bible's boring. Like have fun and be you. You being ex- oh oh for sure oh no <laughs> man you're bringing up great points for me and I think that this and you guys we don't have time for this but for me um, I think the thing that people have connected most to my teaching in particular 
So I, 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 I grew up in a Calvary Chapel. I sat under, I think, one of the best Bible teachers in America. And I, and I, and I engaged in it. And I soaked it up. And I went to Bible college, and the biggest challenge I had in Bible college, I wasn't learning, learning anything new that I didn't already have. Like I, like, I dug deep, studied hard. Like, I knew the Scripture. Meaning that when I go to a text, I already know everything about the text most of the time. And that doesn't gauge with me. Like, I need to go deeper. Like, I need to pull out something I don't know. I need to be excited about it. And so I, I don't stop studying until I get something that I'm, like, jazzed up about. And then I go and I teach all the things that everybody's thinking about. But then I always bring, like, a, a thing. And it's like, oh, I never thought that Delilah maybe was a Jew and not a Philistine. What? Tease. Hey, you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. You guys got any final thoughts? That was shameless and I'm pumped. Yep, we're going to do this. You guys got anything? We're way beyond time. Yeah, I mean, we really time are. is nothing. I mean, we're here to like help people find Christ, right? So, that is true. Yeah. That's true. I mean, we my, also have... My big thing oh. is I'm not a pastor or a preacher, but listening to your questions to Zach tonight, like the number one thing, like I'm a Sunday school teacher. So like my wife plans this whole thing out for the little girls and it works they'll listen i gotta deal with these hyperactive little boys so sitting down and drawing a tyrannosaurus rex with a gi joe on his back firing a tommy gun and telling them the same thing my wife just told them it's like delivery which is exactly oh uh, my boys my boys love mr Vinny. you got to get excited about it you got to get on their level so if you feed the little kids and get them to listen and, and understand you'll get everybody else in the room will be captivated by it and that's what zach does for me um, I'm basically a six-year-old. Listen, and let's be <laughs> let, and, and, and let's be real. There's let's be real. There are dozens of people that enjoy Zach Adams. Like, we're not talking about a large group of people. There are dozens. There are dozens. There are of dozens us. of us that enjoy me. So it's I, not like I enjoy all your messages while I'm cringing at your pronunciation. Thank you, Justin, for bringing that back <laughs> around. <laughs> Man, we went full circle. That's what. That's, that's how you're ending your... Yeah, that's that's all. That's my only critique of everything about you is the, the pronunciation. And you came in and you said my, my archaeological... Observ- no, it was... Observ- it was, it was a Philistines it was pristine. versus... Pristine. Pristine. You, you didn't little, lead with that. You went with the other, the well, pronunciation. Because I'm still a little angry that you didn't talk to me about it, any of it beforehand because I don't get to talk about archaeology much anymore. It's um, but like, it's so sad. It I mean, I get that. <laughs> so, if you used such entomology a in a Bible study and didn't ask me about it, I'd be so mad. Right. So sad. But like, there was one day where I just, uh, I, I was literally cringing. You're the, yeah, okay. Song. Enough of that. You were the only one cringing. You're uh, not. Angry. I've got. Uh, I've got <laughs> one last Hebrew comment. Hebrew is is a language no one even knows. What? I've got one last comment. This is also from Zach. Uh, not you, Zach. Not a me. Different no, no. Zach. Also blonde. Different guy. Um, the Amish Zach. He said, <laughs> oh, that's so funny um, because he was Amish. Um, he said, also, love that y'all touched on Andy Stanley. I cannot believe that he not only shared the stage with teachers who are married to other men, but also platformed them, which I, which is a stronger yeah. thing than I was aware of with Andy Stanley. Apparently he is promoting them, which is, I don't know, man. Fantastic. Whatever. All right. Let's uh, close out because it's. Yeah, we're, we're I'm, gonna there. Work I'm gonna hit some music. Hey, audience members, you guys good? You good? Good, good, good. We're good. We're good. We're good. All right, hitting some music. Thank you so much for joining us on a special Tuesday edition of the Outlaw Radio Show. We went like 35 minutes long. 
But it's Tuesday, so what do you expect? That's what happens. You are watching, by the way, the live stream recording of a podcast. And so typically released on Thursdays, but Creighton, Wednesday? Yep. Special Wednesday release tomorrow. We'll release the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify. Check it out. If you're listening to this, but have yet to check out the live stream, next Wednesday, we'll be back at our normal routine, 8 p.m. Hope you join us. God bless.